0: Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another enlightening episode of The Good Lawyer Show, a podcast dedicated to all things law, tech, and innovation. I am your host, Matt Scrivens, and as always, I am joined on the show by Good Lawyer CEO and co-founder, Brett Colvin. This week's guest is Dr. Grant Wilson, a professor at the Edwards School of Business at the University of Saskatchewan. We spoke with Dr. Wilson about his framework called Failure Learning Orientation or flow for short, which is designed to help companies better innovate, raise capital, and ultimately become successful leaders in their industry. While Dr. Wilson's research is primarily focused on tech companies, as you will hear, he offers a ton of practical advice that is valuable for any organization looking to improve their results. We covered many different topics during the course of our conversation, including how to build a culture that embraces failure, Dr. Wilson's interactions with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and most importantly, why I feel I deserve a raise. And on that extraordinarily important note, let's dive right in. So Grant, th- thanks for being on the show. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, no. It's our pleasure. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. I know it's uh, you're just getting through your busy season, right? I think you said in one of the emails that uh, we exchanged back and forth that you just got finished exams. Is that right?
1: Yeah, finals are coming to a close, and it's, it was a bit of a different term with COVID. We kind of uh, switched and uh, did the rest of the, the term online, which has uh, had its challenges, but it was... Uh, interesting and i guess tested the tested the the innovation um in in professors this year
0: Uh, no doubt so how'd you fare do you think
1: i think okay um i i it it wasn't very much of the term It was just the last couple weeks and i think um a lot of zoom a lot of zoom so (laughs) that was that was interesting but fun
0: yeah right on right on so first thing why don't you just give uh, our listening audience here just a, a brief background of uh, who you are and uh, you know you, obviously you're a professor at the University of Saskatchewan but uh, just kind of your uh, tell us uh, who you are grant.
1: grant there you go tell us who you sure. are, sure yeah so I uh, grant Wilson and like you said professor in uh, the Department of Management and Marketing Edwards School of Business University of Saskatchewan I was a BCom grad, a so Bachelor of Commerce grad from there a long time ago, I guess. And kind of what uh, got me on this path of of technology, commercialization and and innovation specifically was a class I took there um, about, it was called commercialization of biotech. And uh, that sort of made me be interested in the subject and go on to grad school and looking at biotech companies and how they can, you know, be better at startup because they have a lot of impact on, uh, you know, healthcare and a lot of industries. And so, uh, but in the process of, of grad school, they, they actually um, canceled the class uh, due to demand. And as I kind of came back online, they knew that that was my focus from uh, master's and PhD work. And so they said, how would you like to, uh, to sort of reboot it? And I, I said, that'd be awesome. And so I spent the last year uh, writing, um, writing the textbook for it and just finished the, uh, the, the first, I guess, run of the class this winter
2: so you're so you mentioned the first one was like very biotech related is your class broader
1: yeah for sure like my my kind of specialty is in biotechnology and life science but um you know high technology industries i I brought in more um more than that to the table and uh, a lot of guest speakers um a lot of awesome guest speakers but um it, it was it was broader than biotech of course but but i think that was my uh My base that I kind of grew it on.
2: Well, yeah, and I would, you know, we've read, you know, all the startup books out there, and there's a lot of management styles and like parallels that it doesn't matter what industry you're in. So, you know, taking yeah, those lessons. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited to learn more about in this episode with you. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I've kind of got this idea that you know, uh, strategy is a process, right? And and that. Uh, innovation is a way of thinking about strategy, and it's very salient among high technology companies, whether it's biotech or not. And so I think that all of these principles, like you said, and and the books and the, and the startup, um, you know, strategies and that, they're, they're applicable kind of across the board. But most of my examples, I guess, would have been from, from the biotech space. mm
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah no excellent excellent well i guess that kind of leads in so uh, the the reason that we're we're having you on the show is that you have developed a really interesting framework called uh failure learning orientation or flow for short i'm getting that right correct yeah yeah. exactly yeah and that essentially if i'm understanding it essentially allows companies to, to be more innovative and ultimately more successful uh can you give us kind of the the five minute or less synopsis of the key pillars of the flow framework
1: for sure and and so there's um, just as a backstory, there's a, this area of research. Uh, we we know it just sort of like intuitively that if we learn from failure, we're, you know, likely to be more successful later. But the the research around that, particularly with um, startups and, and high technology companies, nobody ever really validated it. And the research that did exist was highly fragmented. So it was like, you know, a little bit of here, a little bit of there, nothing that sort of encapsulated like, okay, what are the like you, like you just said, what are the pillars that companies are doing to, uh, you know, that are uh, making them successful? So what are those things? We weren't able to ever really put our finger on it. And um, I did a national survey last summer of uh, Canadian startups, um, high technology startups. So it was beyond biotech. And I, I basically sent every startup company a uh, questionnaire. Um, high technology startup company question talking about what are the things that you do? How do you learn? How do you, what's the culture learning from failure talking about that and and among other strategies. And I found that there's six things that uh, companies with flow do. And and the number one thing that they do is they prioritize learning from failure from an organizational standpoint. So they're really committed to it, uh, not just, um, you know uh, talking about it but walking the walk committing resources to uh, prioritizing that learning they encourage all so number two they encourage all employees to openly discuss failures and i um, did a follow-up study with executives um, which i can talk about too is, is how do you do that like that's kind of a how do you have an open forum and there's lots of unique things that ceos are doing to sort of permit that Uh, The third thing is that they believe that failing fast is actually a key to success, which is kind of an interesting notion that, Hey, how can we fail faster? Those are some of the things that these tech companies were talking about. How how can we make mistakes quicker so that we can learn from them and make our product uh, or or service better? Um, Number four, uh, they focus on why the failure occurs as opposed to who's responsible. And so they said, forget who, you know, it, you know, maybe made this decision that, that um, created this idea or product to fail. It's 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 more about how do we move forward from that, um, and and so that's number five is about strategizing how to move forward. And then the the sixth one is that truly believing that this can set them apart from their competitors. And and what was really interesting about this study is not only did I sort of find that these are the six things, companies that did did these six things versus those that didn't um, they raised uh more capital they they were able to be uh or sorry they were able to file more patents in a year um hit scientific milestones uh venture capital um and and more market share than their competitors so i think that was a bit of an empirical validation of those things too
0: uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. You, and I'm sure you may have heard this before, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of like the lean startup methodology, which uh, I'm sure for any uh,
2: uh, startups this is pretty much. A yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. very lean. Yeah, totally. yeah,
0: yeah. It, was that an inspiration for this, or was it was was? Uh, how, does that play in, or are we just totally off base here?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. And, and another inspiration about it was this this idea of having open forums and like just sort of no holds barred in terms of what we can talk about and and discuss. And and the inspiration for that element was, of course, I looked at lots of research in the area, but uh, one of, one of the things was this idea of radical transparency and just basically leveling with people and saying like, this is a bad idea, or this is something that uh, could be improved and having those really candid discussions. I think that that type of culture really permits learning fast and then making strategic maneuvers based on that, that uh, have, you know, financial, scientific, innovative sort of consequences. And so uh, actually, absolutely there, there's a lot of inspiration. For, do you know for who's actually really good at that grant
0: is Brett. He, he calls me after every podcast and gives me uh, uh, critiques and uh, and tips on how to be better. So I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's
1: awesome. You guys, you guys are implementing flow uh, in, in within in good lawyer. I love it.
2: <laughs> like definitely yeah, when you're talking, I'm I'm thinking of my own management style and, Radical transparency I think does fit me pretty well and that I didn't really think about it or even do it intentionally, maybe subconsciously more so. Um, yeah. But for me, it, it's a lot simpler that and you know, more motivating for both myself and the person I'm talking to. If everybody's on the same transparent page and you know, yeah. when, you, when you're yeah. in a startup, you don't have time to politic and to bullshit. You have to like, get to the point because getting to the point is already yeah. so hard that if everybody's not trying to get to the point in the most effective and honest way, you're never going to get to the point.
1: No, exactly. That's, that's but an awesome I, I can also, I can also tell you, you know, and
2: sorry to go on a little tangent here, but despite that radical candor or that radical transparency that I feel like I, I just yeah. kind of naturally do, it's still sometimes hard to get that open forum especially uh-huh. in this remote world that we're in right now. Yeah. I've noticed sometimes where I'll have someone like pose a question to me or like seem a little bit nervous about an idea. And when I share it, I'm like, yeah, like, this is great. Like, you know, bring more like, but
1: mm-hmm. it's
2: almost like I need to be more proactive as opposed to just being open when it comes. I almost, yeah. Like definitely interested in learning more about uh, how some and of the companies that, do be, that implemented.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And that was my exact question. So I did this big national study, right? And I got a lot of data at a high level. Uh, so I'd say a lot of, lot of uh, breadth, not depth in saying, okay, this flow idea, it has some wheels under it. It's, it's clearly linked to performance. But my next question was how, like, how does one implement a culture like this? Like you said, how do you, how do you get that discussion? How do you make people feel comfortable having it? And so I went back and, and looked at the data and I said, okay, uh, who are the top 10 companies that, that answered my survey. And then I went and sort of talked to those CEOs and, and, um, I, uh, you know, for, for academic purposes, I maybe won't share the, who I talked to just cause, um, uh, you know, for confidentiality and whatnot, but some of the things that came out were really cool. Like one CEO of a very large biotech company, um, which uh, is probably one of the largest biotech companies in the world. He said, I, um, I've done two things," he said. I've, "I've removed consequences for making failures that are smart. Like if if you're trying to uh, create an, an innovation or a product and and you and it doesn't work, uh, there's going to be no consequences for that failure. And so he's physically removed the negative consequences so that so that has people to thinking, okay, I'm, Exactly. I'm a lawyer, exactly.
2: so yeah, we're talking about intent there. Yeah. If it's intent, <laughs> if the intent is purposeful, yes, then you get a green yes. light.
1: Yes. Exactly. And so there's a couple different types of failure, which we can get into, but uh, I kind in my book, I talk about, there's three, there's one that's uh, called stupid failures where you just, it's, right. you know, human error. You're not thinking you're not, um, you know, and you're not either capable or you shouldn't be making those mistakes. And then the, the the good one is failures at the frontier. And so it's, these are the ones that are going to create discontinuous innovations. And we want those because they sort of, act as a stepping stone to the next idea. And so there there is a spectrum of good and bad for sure. And uh, the other thing that he said, and, and so he said, you got to remove failure consequences. Number one, number two is, if you make one of those, you know, those failures at the frontier, the ones that uh, really rock the boat um, but give us idea for the next product or, or at least inform the next step. He said, I actually pay people that way. Like, so you might've had a product that didn't work, but it, it sort of laid the groundwork for the one that does. They bonus based on that. And I mm-hmm. thought, wow. Okay. So we're changing the context. We're not just saying, totally. let's, yeah. let's have a conversation. You no, validated no, no. No something, failures. Exactly. Exactly. You validated and something, so whether,
0: whether
2: it was good or bad, you validated something and we can move on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, so I thought, wow, these, these companies are really living that, that idea of flow. And that's, those are, you know, processes and, and strategies to implement it.
0: So so Grant, you and you kind of touched on it there, and maybe you can expound just a little bit more here, because one of the concerns that I have around uh, frameworks that seem to put failure at the center is that sometimes, and I know this isn't the intent, but sometimes people can almost glorify that in the sense that they fail, therefore they think they're doing something. But obviously you've taken that into account and said, hey, hold on a second. There's different types of failure. It's not that you're aiming mm-hmm. for failure. It's that you failed uh, after a well thought out experiment or whatever that is. Is that, am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah, it really, it really, it really is. And there's another sort of uh, point that in implementing this idea of flow, uh, I talked to uh, 10 CEOs of really large tech companies. Um, and one theme that kept coming up is Grant, I don't like the word failure. Actually, I, we want to call, I want to call it something else. One CEO actually um, said, uh, let's not continue this interview the word failure. I want to call it something else. And he said, I don't care what it is, but put a co- positive connotation on it. Um, well, it's obvious it's learning. Yeah, exactly. And, and so they did want to distinguish between the stupid failures and the ones at the frontier because, so anyways, we ended up calling it discover or discovery or learning or whatever. But, but for that particular interview, I called it discovery. Yeah. And so that's when we got into the idea of how can we discover faster Cause discovering faster helps us be more successful. And so
2: I like discover I, actually. I totally that's, that, that's, 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 yeah. even better. Yeah. It's
0: good. It's a good buzzword. It's a little bit difficult to say, okay, uh, to not call out that one person or maybe that one team that failed. Uh, you know how, how do you go about doing that in a way that obviously doesn't let people off the hook when they do fail uh, if there is re- correction required but still having that empathy so that people feel safe to experiment and if they don't succeed on the first try that that they know that you know they're not gonna get fired or whatever how, how do you how do you go about that in a, in a or if someone was trying to implement this
1: in their own company how would they go about that yeah that's a tough question for sure and I think it, it does come down to a lot of like the distinguishing between the types of uh failure or or missteps or mishaps for sure um like because you need that accountability like you said in order to be successful and and be a high output uh team and and a lot of um companies talked about you know cross-functional teams where they have people from various different um and these are larger ones of course but where they have uh, different sort of skill sets and it's almost like a competition um and and resource sharing from different sort of um functional departments uh but yeah that it is a challenging obstacle and i think could could in fact be you know the next sort of avenue of this research to to hone in okay. on that for sure
0: i i would be really curious to see what you find there for sure
1: yeah yeah and, and like i don't have the silver bullet answer for that one but um but, well, they're but tough questions let's it, be honest <laughs> they are they are it's good though um what else can
0: I tell you um Sorry actually if if you don't mind I'll just jump in here with uh, the next question I got yeah. Brett Brett was distracting me he was uh virtually throwing things at me so <laughs> is uh so is is this flow uh framework is it meant for all types of companies or like obviously you know you, you it seems like there's a focus on tech and entrepreneurial uh, but it can any can anyone use this or is this uh, strict, strictly for kind of those technology companies people that need to really discover or can someone at a you know the the hardware store down the street also implement this
1: yeah I think there's certain aspects of it that are highly geared toward high technology companies and and you know uh, those startups and entrepreneurial ventures for sure. I think that some of these elements are more focused for that, but I think um, the, the, there are elements of course, that are um, universal, right. And, and I'm, I'm my research now is trying to explore this in different contexts sure. and uh, uh, I'm actually looking at it with um, uh, student, student groups, with, with biotech companies, with um, you know, with, with, Uh, nonprofit organizations now so I am sort of expanding that a little and seeing how it evolves and how it'll uh, change based on that audience for sure but I think like if you go back to the six elements of of flow you know encouraging all employees to openly discuss it prioritizing it uh, failing fast and or discovering faster um, there are a lot of I, I think some of these things like strategizing how to move forward after a failure like I think that that applies to everybody you know that applies to me as a dad, as a husband, as a prof, as right. Like you say, how how you deliver your you know uh, the winter term online? Well, i read the course evaluations from the students and hopefully <laughs> strategize a way forward. If, if I hope some... they weren't as apathetic
0: as I was when I was filling those things out.
1: <laughs> I, I'm wow. sure I'm the type they, of person
0: that uh, would irritate you. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: well, and it's just it's just a matter of scale, right? Like it's every business yeah, fails yeah. and learns, but startups have to fail fast and a lot because they're trying to discover something right. that doesn't currently exist. Right. You know, exactly. my, the first business that yeah. I really ran like that I would consider like a legitimate like yes business was a painting business mm-hmm. and building a successful okay. painting business was like, you know, exciting, but I had a playbook that I could follow as compared to building, you know, a legal tech business that there's not yeah. really a comparable, exactly what we're doing anywhere. Cause everybody's still learning. It's just a whole different ballgame. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Comes, and I think yeah. that I'd like to think, I mean, of course, as the author and sort of creator of the, you know, concept uh, of flow, that, that it has application way beyond this, right? But um, yeah, but certainly it came from, the, like yourselves, that's sort of my wheelhouse and, and my passion, uh, you know, startups and tech companies. So that's sort of where it came from. But I, I do think that there is larger application for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah no for sure so so grant uh you know i, I was reading uh your emails there and, and you interviewed some pretty high-ranking executives in the course of your research including uh the ceo of monsanto uh the vp of the yeah. Gates foundation and if i'm if i'm understanding you correctly you even had a conversation or two with uh bill gates and warren buffett is that
1: is that correct well uh so it's indirect because uh the the gentleman that i know uh, and who, who, who he's fine with uh Discussing this, uh, uh, he um, he worked. He used to report to to Bill Gates, and so a lot of the ideas that he shared with me were from, were directly from Gates and his philosophy on the organization. And then, of course, Warren Buffett's number one uh, uh, shareholder, or or um, he right. has one of the largest key interests in the Gates Foundation, and right. so he. Worked directly with both of those gentlemen. And so the ideas were not only his, but theirs. And so one of the things that, uh, I loved, uh, li- listening to him about talking about Warren Buffett and, and, um, he talking about, uh, de-risking and they didn't like de-risking. It was all about, um, you know, I, I'm not the person to sit in the chair and tell you that you should de-risk or that you should analyze this risk further. He's, you know, uh, those that are in the, those that are in the positions that they've created should be the ones to have that autonomy to make those decisions and, and have that latitude basically to to determine what level of risk the uh, project or uh, you know particular idea can sort of withstand and I, I really like that idea I want to go um, you know uh, into that a little bit more with, with respect to research but uh, it really what, what that told me is okay uh, they are giving employees uh, of the organization, a certain level of autonomy and quite a, quite a lot in some circumstances to be the ones to assess risk. And if they can sort of make the case that, Hey, uh, we want to explore this or, or create this innovation. um, And they make the case for it, they're free to go and do it. And so I think that that's an element of flow that could, you know, I I saw it there, didn't see it a lot elsewhere, but that was something that really stood out about that conversation. And, And that was, I guess, indirectly from Warren Buffett.
2: Well, and I mean, you know, in a very, like what I'm hearing is delegation, like delegating responsibility
0: and trust and trust.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And yes, and I guess it's putting them, putting the, the people on the ground, you know, providing them with, with the autonomy required to make fast decisions with the best information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that the idea of being nimble and for a very large organization, when we talk, we talk lots now, they're, they're big, big buzzwords, but agility, quick to pivot, all those things, like to be a big organization and have that is very, I think, almost um, like an oxymoron, right? Like, how do you, oh, how yeah. do you have that as a large organization, but what they talked about as well, that's why you're in this position ex employee is to make that decision and to assess the, the level of risk and what, what that risk tolerance is based on, you know, whatever and, and, and go forward with it. So, uh, exactly autonomy, giving them rope, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think is a key part of, of flow.
2: Well, and you know, for, for a startup as compared to one of the big organizations, you know, I think one of the catchphrases is the startup has, uh, speed and stealth and that's pretty much it. (laughs) But that, yeah. that's key, yeah. right? Like, if you're a big organization, you just have so much more to lose if a test goes poorly, or like if it's if it's kind of a you know a large pivot. Whereas if you're a startup, you know we've pivoted twice already.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, that, and we're and that, not done. We're um, not done
2: pivoting, but we're, we're getting funny. we're getting better. We're getting yeah. better.
1: And learning and taking in new information to. Totally help you navigate i mean yeah it's like i said it's these aren't totally earth-shattering concepts i think that what what i was able to do i think with the research is uh be the first to put it all together and then sure empirically test it and say hey actually people that are doing this it actually does matter it's not just you know colloquial or it's not just um it's not you know, just an move old,
2: fast and break old, things
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean mark well put <laughs>
0: So well, that's Part pretty my cool friends. that you got uh, your your ideas and your your framework validated by uh, undeniably one of the best. I'm sure that uh, that probably felt good in the moment. Um, but I, I do have another question, kind of leading off of what we're just chatting about here, and, and this is totally hypothetical. I, I just need to say that out uh, front here. But uh, let's say mm-hmm. I have a startup called uh, Virtuous Lawyer that is attempting to improve access to justice through providing micro legal services to those who need them at an affordable price hypothetically here and I want to implement the flow analysis what advice would you give a a startup company or someone who's just uh, potentially pivoting Uh, how would they best go about implementing uh, your framework I was going to ask him more. (laughs) I was
2: going to ask him more bluntly if he he had an interest in the legal tech space.
0: You you caught me. It's good lawyer. (laughs) Legal legal
2: tech is so hard
1: right now, Grant. It's so hard. Yeah, no, I know. Well, well, like, I I don't know. I I do lots of consulting work too. And, and I think that part of some of this implementation um, I've done and, and one of my research assistants actually is, um, is doing it with uh, one of the tech companies she works for. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, not uh, it's not brain surgery, but I do think that it requires a lot of uh, commitment from senior leadership. Like it, it does require that organizational commitment. And so whether somebody, uh, you know, understands the components and, and sort of what we're talking about here and wants to go and do it themselves, I think uh, that's fantastic. But like I said, I, I'm open to that. I don't know if that's what you're indirectly asking me or if I'm just. um. (laughs) But, but I just mean like if you had
0: any tips and I think actually you hit on one of the most important right there, but if someone was trying to, any business was trying to implement this, do you have any uh, advice for how they would go about this? Uh, It sounds like, and I'll, and I'll just uh, expound on that real briefly here is that I've worked for many an organization where this would never work. And that's because the senior management is not open to failure. They just want things the way they want it done. And honestly, like even, improving isn't even necessarily the goal it's just almost getting through another day or getting through this other project and do it the way it was always done and all of that so uh, you know if someone were um, you know it did find themselves in an environment where uh, failure was permitted Uh, you know I do you have to structure this quite intentionally
1: I think you talked about a lot yeah I think uh, so fortitude yeah yeah, just any uh, advice you have there for sure and I think um, if you go back to some of like you know Peter Sanjay, for instance, he's one of the, like, uh, according to Journal Biz, uh, Journal Business Strategy, he's one of the greatest thought leaders on strategy of the 20th century. And so he said that the sole job of a leader, of a CEO, of whatever, should be to create, create a culture. And that's it. And so, and, and then my favorite expression is that um, uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. Like, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if you do not have the culture that supports it, from the top all the way to the bottom, it's not gonna work. And so I think that if anybody really wants to implement failure learning orientation, uh, there has to be that senior leadership commitment and not just at a level that's, yeah, this is a good idea, but committing resources to it, removing negative consequences of smart failures, right? Uh, Maybe perhaps changing some of the compensation structure uh, to say, hey, if you've made a, a mistake or a failure within the product, innovation but it leads us to a new idea we're going to bonus you on that so i think it has to be somebody that can a create the culture but b change the structure uh like the the consequences or the reward systems like i think you have to have somebody in that seat to be able to do it
0: well well, brett i fail all the time so can i get a raise or i think that's what he's trying to tell you
2: you're, keep, <laughs> keep dreaming there, cowboy. You're, you're on the verge of demotion. <laughs> um, Grant, just jumping on that. Can you distinguish between, because, you know, you, culture, quite the buzzword, but can you distinguish between culture and motivation? Because, like, I, I haven't really tied oh. them together so closely before, but the way you've been talking just made me think, like, is the – point of culture to motivate the rest of the team
1: oh oh with like from a psychology standpoint you're thinking I'm talking rewards and punishment and well, yeah, like, yeah okay. like like I
2: feel often like my job is to motivate and provide a little bit of direction but honestly there's tons of aspects of the business that I don't have a clue in um, and that's why we brought in smart people to take care of those aspects so you know there's like sort of the
1: global direction Well, I think that's a good culture. I think that's a good culture. I don't know if that's, that's all culture though. Like, I think that a good culture is one that supports innovation, um, you know, giving, giving employees autonomy um, and, and creating a culture that makes people want to buy into the vision. And, you know, I think that's a great culture, but I don't think that that is necessary. Like, I don't think that uh, there's a lot of organizations that, that don't motivate, they demotivate and that is a type of culture too.
2: Yeah, sure. But we're still talking about motivation, whether it's positive or negative, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're certainly linked for sure. For sure. Um, I guess now if you put it in that light, whether it's, uh, the lack of motivation or if it's, you know, um, or or I definitely see them as like highly, highly motivated they're
2: definitely like very correlated, but I'm like just viewing it as like, and kind of wondering to myself right now, um, if they are like identical. if that's what culture is, it's internal motivation. And if you've motivated your, you know, if you've built a good culture, people are going to be motivated to accomplish the goals that make sense for the company and everyone else under it. Um,
1: anyways, yeah, and I I, think there, there's <laughs> elements of other things too, for sure. Like in a culture, I, like an innovative culture that a lot of my research is in that space too. And, and I think that, uh, that, that does extend beyond motivation. Um, but, but certainly I think that's a big, maybe it's a component of it. Like maybe it's a really critical component of, of mm-hmm. that culture.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so Grant, just, uh, we, uh we, again, we don't want to, we want to be respectful of your time here and everything. Uh, is there any parts that we've missed here that you, you think that we need to make sure that we hit before uh, heading out? One one
1: I uh, one CEO uh, who's a, a f- uh, friend of mine. I used to work with him in the biotech space, and they were you know led a very large controversial biotech company. I won't say anymore, but. Um, he said one of the things that I, I've told people now and I love this this idea of the culture that he created so he sort of stepped into this organization that usually gets a lot of bad press um, again did sort of a, a biotech company that doesn't have a large fan base let's just say that and what he did within the culture was uh, the first thing he did is he hung a bell in the middle of the office and he, he said I want to celebrate every small win that we have and every large win anything positive Uh, you get to go and ring that bell. And so if that means if you're in accounting and you collected, you know, all the AR this month, you go and ring that bell. If you've made a sale, go ring the bell. If it's something big or small or whatever, he celebrated everything positive that people did. And the culture went from like, uh, I I don't know, like a five to a 10 overnight. And and he just talked about how uh, celebrating small wins, all wins, that 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 was the nomenclature he uses. Uh, small wins, all wins, and so it was like even if it's small, it it sort of, you know, it 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 uh, it creates positive rippling effects throughout the organization. And so they mm-hmm. celebrated absolutely everything. And People got a got a kick out of it ringing this big yeah. cowbell in the middle of the office. I love that, and that works
0: uh, that works well in Calgary too.
2: Man, <laughs> nah, we should get a bell.
1: Exactly. I I think so. You
0: go. I love that idea. Actually, I, I'm not just saying <laughs> that. That's uh that's great. Well, well, Grant, how do you do I, a virtual
1: bell? in the oh, that's world what I was. That's what I was just, yeah. just thinking.
0: It's like, how, how can we do this over Zoom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, well, Grant, like, I really appreciate your time and for coming on the show. Uh, that was a honestly a truly fascinating discussion. I uh, really. Good uh, yeah,
2: experience. I think I'm already thinking we're, we're going to need a part yeah, two down
0: yeah, the road. Yeah, I, I think so. If you wouldn't mind, oh, awesome. uh, and, and just and just uh, before we head out, uh, for those who want to know more about this, you mentioned a book. Uh, what uh, where can they find that
1: yeah so the book um, will be it's in uh, with kendall hunt which is a u.s publisher and so we for the first or for this group of students that we had in the course we just gave it to them in pdf uh, but it'll be available in the fall um, with publisher kendall hunt uh, in probably all kind of um, university bookstores but the articles okay. um, are, are uh, online um, and uh, you have a the, the first TV? one is I don't I have a okay. I have a, a website which Alex made me Alex definitely that and then uh, my uh, profile at the U of s website which has okay. both of the articles on it.
0: Okay, right on. Yeah, so the U of s if they just Google your name uh, and uh, they'll you'll pop up and your articles are listed. Yeah.
1: There, okay. Yeah, awesome. Grant Wilson, uh, Edward School Business. University of Saskatchewan. Doctor Grant Wilson. Yeah, doctor
0: Doctor Grant Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, you, my wife it. tells
1: me I'm not a real doctor. <laughs> but
2: yeah.
0: We like it. We like it. Well, make sure you get a Twitter. Uh, you can go cause some controversies by outing all these uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies
1: and uh, get a good following going that way. <laughs> <laughs> but the the other, I, if there is a part two, I did just finish a study which is under review at. Journal of Innovation Management, and it was all female CEOs. Oh, amazing! Looking at how they implement flow. Yeah, I oh, that,
0: that would actually. I well, I think you just booked your next ticket. So uh, that's. Uh, uh, I look. I'm already looking forward to it.
1: Awesome! Thanks, well, guys, and this yeah, was fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, th- thank you once again. Uh, stick on the line here, Graham, for a couple more seconds here once we uh, stop recording. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank thank you very okay. much for coming on. See you later, no guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Dr. Wilson for being on the podcast. The Good Lawyer Show is produced by the extraordinarily talented Brock Patchlick, who somehow makes Brett and myself sound pretty good, which, trust me, takes a lot of editing. That said, if you liked what you heard, we would greatly appreciate it if you took a quick second to give us a five-star rating. And of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button to ensure you are not missing any nuggets of wisdom from our guests. Until next time, please stay safe out there.